Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf. Online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Kia Hyundai, the best in new inventory. Great pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee and a fabulous service department where they need more technicians than ever. You can stop by in person, apply online at sunburymotors.com or call Todd at 286-7746. Andrew Marshand in a few moments, but first our play-by-play call of the day. Extra innings as Rodriguez moves in on the forehand to the backhand, back to the forehand to tuck it past Shesterkin. And Lafreniere keep the Rangers alive on Georgiev to the forehand. Save made by Georgiev, and he celebrates a win against his old team here at the Garden. The distance and then some. Bob Wischusen with a call on ESPN last night. Avs and Rangers at Madison Square Garden. Well, from the New York Post, and does a great job with John Orand on the podcast that in our industry is a must-viewing every week. Uh, Andrew Marshan. Andrew, welcome back. Great to have you with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. My pleasure. All right, so let's uh, start out with all the TV contracts. You just went through a, a conference that took place in New York, and there was a, a great conversation you had with with Amazon about their what they're thinking moving forward about the NBA about college football what was your read from them as to what they want to do with all that money they have to spend if they're not done yet that's what I would say if you you know like or don't like watching Thursday night football uh, on Amazon Prime Video well, if, if you do like it, then you're, there's more to come, I believe. Uh, if you don't like it, well, sorry. But uh, the bottom line is they're not done. Uh, I think that you know, first off on the agenda is will they do a deal with the Pac-12? Uh, you know, right now there's two conferences that are still out there uh, who are looking for extensions uh, or new contracts, and that's the Big 12 and the Pac-12. Uh, the Big 12, I think, is going to stay with ESPN and Fox. And then the Pac-12, if I'm predicting, I think goes to ESPN and Amazon most likely. Uh, so they'll be doing that. And then the NBA is just around the corner. And their deals are up in three years. Uh, I do think there'll be a digital player, meaning you know, Amazon and Apple, I think, will be involved in, in national deals. I think Amazon uh, very well could have some sort of package, you know, either a game of the week, you know, perhaps long-term from playoffs, uh, but they're not done yet. I think that's where their focus is going to be. Uh, they believe that the NFL is working very well for them. Uh, you know, it's hard to know without seeing their books, you know, how that makes sense uh, exactly, but I think in terms of publicly, it does really look like they've hit a home run so far with the NFL. 
All right, so let's get to the Big 12 for a moment, because in the Big 12, uh, they'll lose Oklahoma, Texas. They're going to gain Houston, Cincinnati, UCF, BYU. If I recall their contract correctly, the last year or two of that contract, they're right in that 40 to 43 million per school range. Can they achieve that in a new contract, or will they have to take a slight haircut? Yeah, there's different numbers out there. I think that number's a little high. I think they're closer to 30. Um, and also, there's all different types of rights. And, of course, these conferences all puff themselves up putting all of them in. So it's hard to say exactly, but I think that's a little high. Um, but, yeah, I think they're going to get a little bit of an increase. Uh, they wanted $400 million per year uh, from Fox and ESPN. I don't think they're going to make it there. Uh, from what I'm told, I think it's around three fifty, uh, $350 million right now in terms of negotiation per year. That's without Texas and Oklahoma and with the new teams that will be added shortly. Uh, and so when you add that together, that's a, you know, when you're losing two of your top uh, viewing teams in Texas and Oklahoma, that's a pretty good deal. And I think they want to get out in front of the Pac-12 to make the possibility of expansion, you know, out there where teams and universities would know if they were to leave the Pac-12, for example, this is what you would get if you come to the Big 12. And if the Pac-12, which I think is going a little bit slower, doesn't have a deal yet, maybe that entices some uh, some teams. Right, so let's get to that part, because I think you pointed out in one of your columns, and I think with John as well, that that they were far apart with ESPN and with uh, and with Fox. I don't even know if Fox even bid. Uh, but with ESPN, if ESPN turned down a possibility at 378, 380 for a Big Ten package, they aren't going to come up with 400 to 450 million for a Pac-10 package. Is that fair to at least look at it that way? Yeah, 100. Yeah, those numbers though are combined. So I think ESPN is in the 225 million dollar range uh, for the Big 12. And then Fox, which would have less games and not as good a game, is in more of like a 135 range. Uh, so you add it up, that's, you know, 250, 260, uh, I mean, excuse me, 350, 350 million or 360 million. I, I, here's the fear for the Pac-12. If the Big 12 jumps in front of you uh, then and has a deal with ESPN, uh, you already have, if you're the Pac-12, bad blood with Fox. Uh, not on Fox's side, more on the Pac-12 side, because Fox is looked upon as being instrumental in terms of UCLA and USC bolting the Pac-12 for the Big Ten. So you have that factor. I'm not saying a deal couldn't be done, but first off, Fox is not going to break the bank for the Pac-12. Secondly, the Pac-12 is probably not in a rush to do a deal and help out Fox Sports uh, at the moment after they just took or helped take uh, two of their biggest schools. Uh, so, so that's one. ESPN, they have a deal with the Big 12. You know, that, that gives them some leverage. They don't need the Pac-12 at that point. Uh, and yeah. so do I think they'll offer similar money? Would they want the Pac-12? I think they would. But they also could just sit there and say, all right, well, we're just going to play hardball and let the Big 12, you know, get an Oregon or some other Arizona, Arizona State, you know, if they were to want to leave and just do a deal that way, which might cost them less money because this is business at the end of the day. Uh, there's no friends. This is business. And then Amazon, you know, yes, they have deep pockets, but they have not shown a willingness, besides the NFL, to just overpay. 
right? So the right. Big Ten, at the end of the day, they end up, I think, offering more, and and uh, the Big Ten, you know, went with NBC for that nighttime package, um, which you know probably appeals to boosters, I would think, and and I and I personally think it's a better play. I think you want to be on broadcast if you can with NBC, Fox, and CBS. And I think Amazon Prime works for the NFL, but I don't think it works when you're the fourth or fifth, as well if you're the fourth or fifth conference. So that's the concern, I think, if you're the Pac-12, is that if the Big 12 steps in front of you and you're sitting there now, where's your leverage? And I don't think CBS, I don't think NBC, I don't think they're that interested, at least not at big numbers. And, you know, Turner maybe, but I, again, I don't see them, I don't think anybody's breaking the bank out of nowhere for the Pac-12. So I think that's a little bit concerning, and that's where Brett Yarmark, the commissioner of the Big 12, is kind of pushing in front of the Pac-12, and I think we'll probably do a deal uh, earlier uh, because they're negotiating with them. Let's be clear, for the Big 12, they can only speak with ESPN and Fox because that's how the right. contract is. They right. can't speak with everybody. Right, exactly. Right, exactly. The interesting part the interesting is that part. that their rights actually run out after the Pac-12. They run out after. That's why the the early negotiating is so interesting. The Big Ten, of course, has a clause when it comes to the possibility of Notre Dame being added. Would the Big 12 uh, look at a clause that if we expand, then can we keep the money the same for everybody? Is that a possibility? Yeah, I mean, all these contracts have clauses, especially now, right, with what we've seen, uh, which... Uh, which addresses the idea of expansion and what it would mean. Uh, you know, John Oran, my podcast partner, he reported that there's a specific number. I forgot what he said it was. If you, I don't know if you had the number, but uh, for the Big Ten, if they were to add Notre Dame, uh, you know, that's, that is unusual, right? Usually it's not this is the number or, or this is – usually it's if you add another team, you know, we'll go back in and have good faith negotiations. In this case – you know, especially with that West Coast window being desired, uh, you know, because they have, you know, if you're ESPN, you have all the other windows. You know, there there could be a little bit more specific language. But but to answer your question, yeah, they will. It's like it will it will make sense financially. It has to make sense financially for the university to add it, and then for the conference overall. You know, that was the thing that like we talked about a lot about the Big Ten. A lot of people, and even Kevin Warren said, you know, talked about expansion um, in terms of getting even bigger. And the one thing that we kept pointing out, though, is that besides Notre Dame, if you're bringing in even an Oregon or an Arizona or some of these other teams, it doesn't they – don't, they don't pay for themselves. And so if you're just cutting up the pie even more, it's not the NFL. It just doesn't make sense for the Big Ten just to bring in other teams unless they're getting more money because you're just cutting up – what right. you already um, are spending. Right, exactly. You're not going to look at Penn State, USC, Ohio State, Michigan, and tell Pat Kraft, Ward Manuel, Gene Smith, and Mike Bone, hey, by the way, great TV contract, but by the way, we're going to have to give you a haircut. Exactly. I mean, you're, I mean, you're not going to do that. It's not the NFL, so that's not happening. Like, that's not, I don't know if I can say it's never going to happen, but the idea of, like, college football turning into the NFL with the Big Ten, you know, the NFC, and the SEC, the AFC, again, there's a lot going on with NIL. A lot of things are going on, so I'm not going to say never, but it just, it just doesn't make sense, uh, especially because different universities are valued differently by TV networks because there's more people watching when Penn State plays as opposed to Rutgers, so they're right. worth more. 
Right, no question. So let's get to the NBA part of it. That contract's coming up. TNT just renewed the contracts of their studio and Charles Barkley for 10, as you as you wrote. The others are other years. TNT obviously needs the contract. ESPN feels they need the contract. How do you envision that playing out? Yeah, I would say, again, this is his prediction because we're three years away and nobody knows what's going to happen, including the NBA. But I would say ESPN and Turner both retain their packages, but maybe in a you know fewer games. Uh, you know, the big problem for the NBA right now is the regular season's devalued. Uh, you know, stars don't play. The games aren't that important in terms of playoff seeding. You know, the top teams basically make the playoffs, and there's not really that much intrigue into that. And so these, you know, a Friday night game, it's not an exhibition. I don't want to, you know, disrespect it that much, but they don't mean that much. So, so that's an issue, and I think the – you know, Turner already has kind of a smaller package, so theirs kind of can't really change too much. They do you know, basically Thursdays and Tuesdays, uh, but not the whole season. And they have more exclusivity than ESPN. Uh, so but I get the ESPN doing less games uh, going forward. And then I think they bring in a digital player. I think Amazon, I would say, is a little bit at the moment a little bit more of a favorite just because of what they've proven with the NFL the relationships they're making already with the NBA. They just did a deal where they're going to do games in Brazil. And these deals come down to two things. Number one, money. Number two, relationships. And, you know, you put those two together, uh, and that's how you end up getting these big contracts and, and making these things happen. Uh, and so uh, so I think that um, that's how I foresee it. Uh, the one thing to watch is very interesting is that the regional sports networks, uh, those are something's going to come to a head in the next couple of years because uh, Sinclair, which owns most of these networks, yes. they are probably yeah. heading toward bankruptcy. I don't know in Philly. I guess you guys are Comcast, um, yes. you know, near you. But uh, the but the bottom line is uh, that business is changing, and so I do think the NDA is considering bringing. Uh, you know, everything in house, and maybe trying to be direct to consumer uh, and try to sell games that way. Uh, probably in conjunction with cable, whatever cable becomes. But mm-hmm. I do think that is going to become a reality. Uh, you know, not definitely, but there's a there's a pretty good chance that becomes a reality by the next contract. And one final question: It deals with Apple Plus. We've talked a lot about Amazon here, Andrew. But what about Apple Plus? They have MLS. They have the Friday night package uh, for Major League Baseball. Do they have any plans to do anything else beyond what they're doing? Good question. I think that they're going to get Sunday Ticket, which is the package of games that currently is on DirecTV. The only way you can get it right now is through DirecTV, uh, where you can watch any game uh, that you want. So if you're a Steeler fan living in New York, you can watch the Steelers. If you're a San Francisco 49er fan li- living where you are, you can watch the 49ers all the time. That is likely going to Apple. Uh, they've been negotiating for a while. Apple's in the lead. Uh, both the NFL and Apple are both very arrogant. Uh, so I think they're staring at each other, trying to get the deal you know, perfectly situated. Uh, so that's why it's taking so long. But I do expect that to happen. So you look at their portfolio. That's going to cost billions per year. 
uh, for Apple. That's a huge investment. The baseball was, you know, 30 to 100 million. It wasn't a big investment for Apple. Uh, I don't think it was too successful. Uh, I'm not sure if that's going to scare them off from doing live games and producing them. And not, they didn't really produce them, but to, to air them. It just that deal didn't make much sense. MOS is interesting. Now, that's what they really want to do. They want to sell subscriptions. That's what they feel like they're best at. Um, I don't know. It, they, they are very good at it, but that's because they have us all on their phones. There are a lot of right. us on their yeah. phones. And so right. we don't have a choice. I think yeah. sports a little bit different of an animal. Like, do I think the idea of subscription because that's kind of like what I was talking about with like the regional sports networks devolving or at least becoming less important that that's what the NBA could do but that could work I'm a soccer guy MLS I'm not sure it works you know I, I believe in subscription I do believe if you look at the model and you can sell subscriptions around the world uh, it really does make sense because the percentage of people that you need and the percentage of people you can you can reach everybody and you don't need close to everybody. So that can really be a big money maker. That said, um, I don't know if um, if it works with the MLS. Like it's just it's not you know for your audience that's soccer people. Like right now, Champions League is going on. It's like uh, you know it's a top ten league, but where is it? Is it six? Is it seven? It's not mm. a top league. Uh, and so I don't know, like for me personally, I could probably expense it, but would I buy, I, as a soccer person, do I need to watch the MLS? No, I don't. So I think that, that one's going to be interesting to watch what happens. But if it is successful, if that does work, that could be, for the future, that could be game changer. Andrew, always Andrew. a pleasure. Always uh, informative, and you and John do great work, and uh, I read your column every day because it keeps all of us in tune. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I heard you don't have John on because he's a Maryland Terp. Is that true? I know. I understand. I know he's the Terp, so i, I got to be really careful about crossing that line in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Be well. We'll talk. Thanks, Andrew. Andrew Marshan joining us, New York Post. That was a very interesting go-around there. Very interesting go-around. All right. See, if Iowa and Northwestern, if they had, like, an Apple TV Plus or an Amazon, Northwestern Iowa, they would get that game. Just me. <laughs> I would tend to agree. It's just, just my opinion. What time you want to put it on? I don't know, 5 a.m. would be good. What do you think? <laughs> All right. We'll come back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. So Paul Keels, the voice of Ohio State football, in the next half hour. We'll talk with him. And get the read uh, there from Ohio State. Phillies, of course, World Series Game 1 Friday night. They'll go with Nola first, then Wheeler. Robbie Thompson felt it was important to give Wheeler one extra day, so that's what they're going to do. And that's, that's the game plan there. Something that is interesting to keep in mind, unless there is a change in the roster, and you're allowed to change your roster every series, you know what Houston doesn't have? Let's find out how much Matt's been paying attention. 
What doesn't Houston have? I, I would, I would say in the overall scheme of things, their starting pitching is probably the one Achilles heel. No, I wouldn't go with that. The starting pitching is really, actually very good. Uh, McCullers is coming off the injury. They don't have a left-handed reliever. Last I checked, Harper and Schwarber. <laughs> that is interesting. Right? Yeah. So you don't think I pay attention to the games? No, I know you do. I mean, you don't think I? You don't think I watch? You just think I, I do the show and I guess. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Right, so I took some time to watch Ohio State's defense against the Iowa offense. You know, and I'm looking at personnel groupings now. When they go dime, who's out there? You know, when they go with a three-man front, who's the nose tackle? Who's the defensive end package they like to use? I mean, that's why I'm watching it, to go with other things. But I will say this. It's against the Iowa offense. I think I should be paid extra to see this. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Brutal. Wow. Brutal. I haven't I haven't felt that way about watching something since I watched the suit take acting lessons. Get the right, lingerie uh... on the deck. Call the janitor. <laughs> we do have some very nice breaking news, Steve Jones. What's that? The Eagles have acquired Robert Quinn from the Bears for a fourth round pick. Good move, Howie Roseman. Oh yeah. You sir are my hero. Boom. Yeah, but I'm watching Iowa Ohio State offense versus defense. I, it's kind of hard for me to be excited about anything right now. Very true. I'll give you that one. The fourth round pick, it's actually it's a little higher pick than usual. Um, hmm, interesting. Hey, the Eagles are going for it. They know they have something special. They're going for it. That's great. A World Series starts on Friday. Aaron Nola, Justin Verlander. Um, I like the starting rotations for both teams. Now, when they get to four, McCullers probably has a little... McCullers is only making his 10th start when they get to four. McCullers usually is pretty good in the postseason, but again... You know, you're coming off Tommy John. It's only your 10th start. Like, eh, you know, can they get five out of them? Meanwhile, the Phillies are, eh, in that fourth starter spot. But, all right. So, you know, the World Series starts on Friday. Now we've got Chris Wheeler on the show on Friday. Let's bring in the play-by-play voice of Ohio State, the great one, Paul Keel. Sir, welcome. So, um, quite a football team you got there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> C.J. Stroud uh, is a guy that is a 
you know, as a redshirt sophomore. You've seen him now develop. What have you seen in his development that has allowed this offense to run with the efficiency it has run with? Well, Steve, the, the real difference with C.J. this year uh, it, it is the fact that you're noticing him being a little more mobile, not mobile as far as running uh, and advancing the ball upfield, but running to keep plays alive, moving laterally, left to right, right to left, to keep a play open and allow a receiver get open. And, and, you know, the other parts you would expect as a young man gets older, too, a little more comfortable with things, a little more assertive as a leader, but, you know, also maybe the best thing you can say about C.J. Stroud, I think it was a few weeks ago, and they beat Rutgers, and he threw only two touchdown passes, and people thought, oh, God, it wasn't a good game for C.J. Stroud. He's all about winning, whether he throws two, whether he throws none. Um, And, you know, I think also, Steve, we've seen in the last couple of games, he threw a pick six against Michigan State. Very next drive comes back and leads leads a touchdown drive. Last week he gets knocked over by – uh, Joe Evans of Iowa fumbles the ball. Evans picks it up, runs it in for a defensive score, brings him right back to take him down the field. So all of the kind of things you would expect a young quarterback to continue to grow with. Jackson Smith and Jigba had, what, 347 in the Rose Bowl? Some insane number like that. And was terrific against Penn State. We know he's been banged up. What have you seen from the others in the group? Abuka. Harrison, who really was great in the Rose Bowl, Julian Fleming. What have you seen from that? And also Kate Stover. That they really haven't missed Jackson as much as they'd love to have him out there. But, you know, and really the guy that made the big splash the very first week was a fifth-year former walk-on, Xavier Johnson, who caught the go-ahead touchdown against Notre Dame. You know, what they've done, Steve, as you would expect, they've presented a number of different threats that a defense all has to be aware of. You mentioned Emeka Ibuka, Marvin Harrison, the guy that's come on as of late, Julian Fleming. He missed the first two games, but ever since then he's caught a TD in every game. Uh, Cade Stover at tight end. Mitch Rossi, who's used as like a fullback slash tight end. G. Scott, who's also a tight end threat. So it's it's been a combination of all of those guys. As much as they would love to have Jackson Smith and Jigba there, and who wouldn't, uh, they've not missed a beat offensively without him. So Travion Henderson, we know what kind of dynamic running back he can be, and he's been banked up as well. Tell us a little bit the story of Mayan Williams, who's an Ohio kid and Ryan Day's connection that got him there and to see a guy step in the way he has. Well, you know, he comes from one of the uh, outside of the city limits of high schools in Cincinnati, Wynn Woods, who in the last five years has really been one of the contending programs. And, you know, I think because they've won and they've had success, that's what got he and others on Ryan Day's radar. They've got a, you, you may remember uh, Jerron Cage, the defensive mm-hmm. lineman, who scored the defensive touchdown last year against Penn mm-hmm. State. He's from Wynn Woods also. And and I think that's what got Ryan Day on them. And Mayan Williams is a guy that he and Travion Henderson bring a little bit of a different style but some similarities also. Mayan is a little more of a bulky, physical type of back, but can really break away and show some explosive speed. Henderson is the guy that's kind of your prototypical tailback. And, you know, now finally for the first time in a while, they're both healthy at the same time. So, you know, they give Ohio State some great production there. The other young man that has looked good is Dallin Hayden, a first-year player. They didn't really expect him because Evan Pryor was going to be the number three but suffered a season-ending injury in the summer. But, you know, one of the things that that Ryan Day was insistent on this year, going into the year, that they have balance and that they had the kind of running threat that could extend drives and get them what they needed in the red zone. 
defensively, Tommy Eichenberg made a play last week that Jack Ham looked at me and he said, now that's how a linebacker needs to make a play like that. <laughs> so you can let Tommy know that that Jack, you may have to explain to him who Jack is. Right. Because uh, right, I'm not joking about that because younger players are like, oh, oh, okay. You know, sometimes you do have to explain it to him. He's a captain. Uh, and when you look at how he's played, what does he do not only physically but the mental side of it to get them in the right spots defensively? He gets himself in the right spot, Steve. That's kind of been the whole transformation of his game. You know, last year everybody was kind of you know, complaining a little bit about the linebacking group. And if you think back to two years previously, Ohio State lost the top four linebackers they had. And Tommy Eigenberg and, and Steel Chambers, who had moved from running back mm-hmm. to linebacker, it really took them a year to kind of get their footing. And Cody Simon dealt with an injury late last year. Now, Eigenberg and Chambers have really said, Tommy has the kind of size you would expect yeah. a, a linebacker to have, but he also has really shown now his ability to cover ground laterally. And I think now, with the way he and Steel Chambers play off one another, Cody Simon, who they used a little bit of a three-linebacker set last week against Iowa. Uh, He's been able to play the way you kind of thought he would last year. Um, But, you know, I think Tommy would probably be the first one to tell you they benefit from the disruption of the offensive line and the way that the secondary is covered. What kind of difference have you seen in a Jim Knowles defense? It is heavily dependent on safety play. Yeah. So when you combine Ronnie Hickman, Tanner McAllister, who game with Knowles from Oklahoma State, yeah. Lathan Ransom, Cameron Martinez, Josh Proctor went healthy, and a couple of young guys, Kai Stokes and Sonny Styles, who've gotten some licks out there. It's a group that really allows them to cover the pass, but also make the kind of plays in assisting on the run that maybe safeties don't traditionally do. And, and it's also allowed them to not have to change so much when the offense changes. And so, you know, the, the other thing, Steve, that what Jim Knowles has done, which I don't know that I've ever heard a coach say this, they've told these defensive players, or he has anyway, if they make a mistake, it's the coach's fault because they didn't put them in the right position. And that seemingly has taken the pressure off these players to just go out and play. Ronnie Hickman has always been that guy to me that's been back as like a quarterback back there in the in the secondary. What have you seen in his development over the years where it looks like he's a next level guy? You know, I think you know. Last year they used him more as a linebacker. Now it's kind of a hybrid type of backer and safety position, and and, and much like we talked about Tommy Eichenberg, but in a different area, lines people up, gets them ready. You know, gives out a lot of the signals there, and and is able to kind of retrace his steps and make up ground like you wouldn't expect a big safety like that to do. And and a guy that just kind of has a a real good leadership knack from what the coaches tell us. And you know, I think that's something that has, has helped him play confident and has given this defense a great deal of confidence. And you mentioned. McAllister, who's got the three picks, including two last week against Iowa. Uh, he, he obviously knew what he was getting into when he followed Jim here. What, what has he added to that defense? Well, Jim, Jim Knowles has talked about Tanner McAllister like a coach on the field and you know he came here and you know was not promised anything just an opportunity to compete and he's shown the experience I think that's been it Steve just you know he's been able to fit right in you know especially given they didn't know what they were going to get from Lathan Ransom coming off a broken leg in the Rose Bowl last year you know in some other areas Josh Proctor coming off the injury he had last year he's a guy that the, the only thing really you can say is you can tell that's an experienced player out there. Yeah, no question. You can see it. Michael Hall Jr. really started off the season really well, and I know he's right up there in tackles for losses and sacks on this team. What do you see from him that may be a little bit different than somebody else? Just for somebody his size, 
to be able to flash into the backfield as quickly as he does. Now, you know, a couple of weeks ago, they limited some of his reps. He'd been banged up a little bit. But a guy that just, all of a sudden, he gets off the ball in such a hurry, and the next thing you know, he's he's past the offensive line. Uh, but as you've seen Ohio State's defensive lines over the years, Steve, and there's not a Nick or a Joey Bosa or a Chase Young on this defensive line, but a group that can, as a group, be disruptive and allow for individuals to make plays like what Mike Hall did earlier in the year, like Zach Harrison has done in the last couple of weeks. So it's been that gang mentality that has allowed all of those guys and others at times to be able to flash. But Mike, Mike Hall just... It looks like, you know, to the naked eye, he can get off the ball in a hurry and really wedge himself between linemen. You know, what's interesting is that I think a lot of people don't realize Ohio State has not played Michigan in your stadium in four years. <laughs> exactly. Right? People don't realize that. It's also the first time that, you know, they've come in here with a crowd here in four years. Just your thoughts, just even from a personal point of view of, of, of coming in here because you haven't seen a crowd here in four years. Well, and you know what it was like for those of us that couldn't travel and did away games yeah. remotely during the pandemic. Yeah. And and the game at Penn State in 2020 was the first one we had to do like that way. And, it, you know, nobody cares about how difficult it was on us, and it was. <laughs> However, the thing that, that Brian Daz talked about this week, there are few players – that are on this team that were there in 18 so they know what it's like you know the other questions came well you know a difference between daytime and nighttime you know they could start this thing at 9 a.m and we know it'd be a raucous <laughs> environment so but you, you, you know the crazy thing steve this is just ohio state's second road game yeah, they no. opened the year with five straight at home which some of us loved but you know i think there's enough experienced players on this team that have played you know last year and previously in road environments and certainly the one at penn state is, is unlike any other um, but, you know, they know, and I think that's where the leadership of people like Eichenberg and Stroud and so mm-hmm. many others, you know, Tanner McAllister, who you mentioned, that's going to be important for this team going in there. I have to ask you about Ryan Day, because everyone knows what Jim Trestle did. Everyone knows what Urban Meyer did. Ryan Day's come in, and the beat has continued there. Why? I think because uh, outstanding recruiter, number one, outstanding quarterbacks coach, which was what he was brought in to do when he was hired as an assistant. I think he's made some good hires on his staff. He's made some tough decisions after last year to uh, let go some guys that had been part of this program for a while, but changes obviously needed to be made, especially on the defensive side. And, you know, I think he's he's just consistent. And not that it counts for anything in a win or a loss column. He's such a darn good guy. He makes our job a lot easier. Yeah. He's great with fans when he has to be around him. Um, and, you know, I think when the, the, in 2018, when he had the three games where he was the acting head coach, I think that's where Ohio State and a lot of people realize this is a guy that's got a future as a head coach, and it's very fortunate for Ohio State that it worked out that he was able to be the next head coach here. Yeah, and again, people don't care about our jobs and what we do. I understand that. But I remember when he got the job, because, I mean, you know how, to be honest with you, it's it's been great for me with Joe, with Bill, with James. I mean, I've really had it, like, pretty easy. Uh it, it sounded right away, with all due respect to anybody else, okay, that right away he understood, you know, like that he opened the door for you guys. He really did. And we saw that 
in 18 when he had the three games as acting head coach. Yes. And, you know, and, you know, it's, it's not a secret to people for as successful as he was. Urban Meyer was a challenge to deal with from a media standpoint and wasn't always the best fan-friendly individual. You can't argue with what he did as a coach. But Ryan Day has encapsulated it all. And he's a guy that I think a lot of that filters down to the players and the families of the people he's recruiting. Uh, but his track record, you know, look at what he did as a quarterback's coach with J.T. Barrett, with Justin Fields, and now what he's doing with C.J. Stroud. I think that, that that's probably what speaks to itself. But he also is one of those head coaches that allows his other coaches to do their jobs. He basically has made Jim Knowles the head coach of the defense. Mm-hmm. He gives a lot of latitude to Larry Johnson, as anybody should, on the defensive line. And and has you know, really seen other coaches like Brian Hartline develop with what he's done with the wide receivers. Tony Alford with a running back. So he's a head coach that, that really allows his assistant coaches to flourish under him. My friend, I can't wait to see you on Saturday. Likewise, looking forward to it. Thanks, Paul. You got it, Steve. <laughs> Mm-hmm. When car repairs get difficult. Well, I, I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. More than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections. Quick Lane, 630 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 6 30 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the Mm. out of auto repair. Great to be with you on the show today, sponsored by our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf Online, sunburymotors.com. Andrew Marshan did a great job of outlining what is going on with TV negotiations, and we slipped in Apple TV, we slipped in the MLS deal, the NBA deal. Most of it was focused on the PAC 10, 12, and the Big 12. And remember, the Big 12 is jumping into the TV landscape earlier than than expected with the idea they want to get a deal before the Pac-10 because their deal runs out a year later. So, John Oran thinks the Big 12 is moving in on a deal with ESPN and Fox. Uh, Andrew said they think it's in the $350 million range. He thinks ESPN and Amazon end up with the Pac-12. But again, you are... It's it's interesting... It's interesting that the Pac-12, they need the money, so they probably need the Amazon part in there. All right? 
So that I do understand. That I do understand. But you're potentially sacrificing, in the short term, viewership. And that is something that, to me, is the roll of the dice uh, for them. But they need the money. They need the money. Amazon with the NFL has done well. Not awesome, incredible, or great. They've done well. And by the way, their production's really good. But well is still not over-the-air TV. So he thinks Fox goes, along with John Oran, Fox, ESPN, Big 12, and he thinks ESPN, Amazon end up with the Pac-10-12. But the Pac-10-12 is going to end up with less money, which then goes back to what I've been saying the entire time about the Washington-Oregon part of it. They are really good brands. No getting around. They're really good brands. But if there's such knock-down, drag-out, awesome brands, why is it the Pac-10-12 is going to get less money in the next contract and not slightly more? And I mean a lot more. I mean at least break-even or slightly more because you're looking for more in this environment. So you lose... USC UCLA, so can you maybe break even or get slightly more? And they don't have enough to carry the day. That's why I've always questioned where they are with all this. There's been a lot of reasons why. One of them's organization. I think it's just difficult to organize 20. And when you have to do it over multiple sports, and I've mentioned that the entire time, organizing. How do you organize all this? How do you organize a women's soccer schedule? How do you organize, you know, with two West Coast teams? How do you organize a volleyball schedule, let alone football and basketball, which has all the TV components and the moving parts? 